When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Geekscape is welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London. If this is your first Geekscape, we're going to talk all movies, video games, comics, TV, pop culture. That's what we do. That's what we've been doing for like 12 years now. Uh, and today we're going to be talking to uh, my friend John Schnitzer. He's got a brand new documentary called Haunters out. It's on Netflix. That's how I saw it at least. It's probably available in VOD and a bunch of other outlets. But I saw it on Netflix this past weekend. I found it both inspiring and disturbing, and I will tell you, uh, I think we'll, we'll get into the weeds when we talk to John, and uh, you'll realize just how uh, how I found that movie to be all of those things, because it's about people who make basically haunted houses in their own backyards for the most part, and it's about that haunting community. Um, I thought it was something that really just sprang up around Halloween, because you start hearing about haunted hayrides and things like that, and obviously... We just had Easter, and what's more haunting than the return of zombie Jesus? I hope you all had a great Easter. But um, this is actually a year-round event. Like this, like these things do it year-round. John went to one last night, <laughs> and so we'll talk to him about that. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping here on Geekscape. Um, we love you guys. Thank you so much. The numbers are going up. And I'm very happy about that. It's it, it's fun for me to look up all these years in and see that people are still discovering the show. I think a lot of that has to do with you. So if you enjoy the show, if you've been a long-time or a short-time listener, go ahead and write us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. It really is helping us, and it's really doing a great job of growing the numbers. Uh, I also want to give a sh- quick shout out. You guys heard the Geekscape theme song on the front end of the episode, as you do every episode. That theme song was done for free by our good friends in a band called Punchline out of uh, Pittsburgh. Punchline just put out their new album last week. It's called Lion. It is awesome. It's got some rocking songs. It's got some more experimental songs. It's got some dance songs on it. It's I would say it's one of their most eclectic albums, but Thrilled, I think, was their most eclectic album. This one's called Lion. The guys are going on tour right now. 
go online, support these guys, because they are like the Geekscape band, in my opinion. Punchline is the Geekscape band. They have their new album, Lion, coming out. Or no, it's out. I've been listening to it all weekend. Go and support them, because they're family, basically. They've been with us since the beginning with this theme song, and uh, I've done music videos for them. They've uh, done music for us. It's... uh, it's 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 your duty almost as a Geekscapist to go and download this new album. So it's awesome. You won't regret it. Also, quick shout out to my friends, Shannon, and I think her name, I've never met Phaedra, but I think that's how you pronounce her name. But my friend Shannon Enton does a show called The Stinger. It's an entertainment podcast. If I'm always looking for something to like binge watch, maybe like, what's the new TV show I want to binge watch? Or what's a new movie and is it worth it? The Stinger's a pretty good podcast. It's a brand new podcast. I don't think they've been in the game as long as we have, but they might be better at it <laughs> than we are. So they're a pretty good resource. They're called The Stinger. And of course, uh, we have the Geekscape Network. Um, and our guest today comes compliments of our horror show, the Horror Movie Night podcast, and Scott and Matt... Love this guy. They loved having him on the show. Uh, and they were like, you got to get John on the show. You got to get John on the show. <laughs> and I kept being like, where's a good place to put John? And it really just took me wanting to watch this movie, which I, it's not that I didn't want to watch it. It's that I was like, where am I going to put this guy? You know, it's not Halloween. It's not Halloween. It's not Halloween. And I think that was a mistake because in watching the movie, in learning about these like DIY haunts, it's it's a year-round thing. So, John, um, tell me about this movie. It came out in, around January on Netflix? Right. It came out actually in um, – so we had our big premiere at uh, a Fantastic Fest in September. In Austin. Uh-huh, in Austin, Texas. And it was so awesome that um, so many people went to the first showing of it. They had to bring out folding chairs – Oh, to shit. get the rest of people in, and then where did was, you screen? Is it at the Alamo South? At the Alamo, yep, yeah. that's, South that's Lamar. My home. I, was, I grew up in that neighborhood. Oh god, it was great. <laughs> oh my, it was what, the, the food there? It was incredible. Is it awesome? Yeah, oh my, the whole thing was great. But that screening was like pulling the pin on an emotional grenade. People were freaking out. They mm. were laughing. They were screaming. They were turning away. Shar came with me. She's um, the legendary scare actor, my favorite monster of all time. And she was the one at the that uh, had injured her back. That's right. Oh my god! That's right. From like, scaring people. We're going to talk about that. And we ended up doing so well at that screening that we got uh, two more screenings. So, Fantastic Fest, and we were at Beyond Fest. Mm-hmm. At Beyond Fest, Donald from the movie, the mm-hmm. one looks like the Terminator. Yes. So he set up his own haunted house at the Egyptian Theater. Oh, that's and cool. We we sold out uh, two screenings there, and then we did a. Then we got on uh, on Amazon and uh, a, a Vudu and well, you just you name it, we're on it. Um, that was uh, right after that, October third. Then mm-hmm. January, we got on Netflix, which is like I'm still my mind is still blown. I mean, this is a this is a Kickstarter project, right? And it went from Kickstarter to Netflix. That's I'm insane. like, look, I was gonna be so excited. I'm like, if we get this really cool, like. Maybe we'll get a Blu-ray. I was I yeah. was talking about that, and the fact that we've got this really killer. We're on Netflix. It's just uh, my mind is still blown. And the full name of the movie is Haunters: The Art of the Scare. Yes, uh, I'm guessing there was some '80s movie called Haunters that was like a Ghoulies or something like that. Is that true? Or? You know what's funny is while is there was, a Haunters? They, you know, while I was doing the Kickstarter, 
Um, then all of a sudden, other things called Haunter started springing up. Like while after, but when we did the Kickstarter, I had announced that we were doing our movie. I think I the first time I did an announcement thing for it was in 2013, announcing we're going to do it. We did our first radio show on NPR. Then that's great. Yeah, so like people knew what we were doing, and then say so, you know whatever. So so I was like you know what, the art of the scare, and there was a reason for the art of the scare, anyways, because. Every time you see like a haunted house documentary, I love haunted. I love haunts and I love haunted house documentaries. Mm-hmm. But they tend to make these haunters kind of look like lovable losers. Sure. And in my opinion, no, no. If you you're when you go to the haunts that I've been to, from the amateur ones to the professional ones, you have to be you know a director, a stunt mm-hmm. coordinator, a producer, a promoter. You got to be you have Everything an effects special artist effects. in this movie, yeah. You gotta, you gotta be the P.T. Barnum of terror, you know, and you gotta create the illusion of danger without actually hurting anybody. Perhaps. There's a lot, in <laughs> some of them, right? There's a huge balancing being between it. So I'm like, the reason I use the word art is because for anyone who's ever created anything, mm-hmm. the word art means sacrifice. And what are you willing to sacrifice to make everyone else's nightmares reality like right. what are you willing to sacrifice for you to have your your podcast what are what, what, what are you willing to sacrifice for the creative process and that's the one thing that everyone in this movie has in common they are willing to sacrifice everything from their health to their money their to their relationships, time, their relationships yeah. everything yeah you start to see some relationships get onto some rocky ground because again these people are putting some of these haunts on in their homes and in their front yards and their backyards. And it, it's got to start stressing out the, the, the family dynamics. Um, I think that what you just said, um, as an artist myself, um, like I'm, 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 I'm wrapping around it. Uh, this idea of sacrifice for art, you, you've, we've all, we've all heard about the, you know, going, you know, the brambles story, you know, about, you know, you'll, you'll crawl through the brambles because you have to suffer for your art. But, um, but it's art for some reason is always, uh, put in the context of some level of suffering, right? Whether it's physical or poverty or, uh, anonymity and this and that, but the idea of sacrifice is different than suffering, because the voluntary nature of it, and I think that we've all, I've always thought of like art as a level of suffering, and I think sacrifice is the better word. You yeah, know? because it, it it is about what you're going to, what you're willing to go without. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, did you ever see the documentary Indie Game, the movie? Yeah, yeah. Okay, where they make uh, Super Meat Boy. I love that movie, and when I started, I reached out to those directors, mm-hmm. and James Swirsky, um actually had two mentors going in this documentary. Because that's I I look for my mentors in life, and I'm like, you know what? I'm about to do my first feature film of all time, and it's a documentary. I should reach out to like two people that inspired me a lot. And Indie Game, the movie, you know, it's it, when I first heard about, it, I'm like, a documentary about independent video game developers. That sounds like the most boring thing in the world. They're gonna sit in front of a computer, and it was inspiring. It was funny. It was emotional. It was a tearjerker mm-hmm. about the creative process. And really, what these people are willing to sacrifice to put, put together an independent video game. Or right? not in some right. levels. Because watching that movie, especially, and I guess Geekscapists who are familiar, <laughs> you'll know who I'm talking about. 
some people aren't willing to sacrifice ego. You know what? There's that. But think of it this way too. Are you are you, are you talking about like Phil Fish? Well, Phil, I don't know. Because here's all, what I'll it, say about it, Phil Fish. Yeah, and, and he may have been painted wrong. I know. Yeah. I, th- I think I don't know the thing. I think like, with Phil Fish, because I'll tell you what, I I really, I mean, I'm obsessed with this movie. And what I was getting when I was watching Phil Fish was he's trying to do something brand new. He was trying to create right. a game that was all about smelling the roses and kind of breathing the fresh air, which in a video game. Sure. You know, solving puzzles while roaming around. It was called Red Dead Redemption. Not, no, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is Geekscape. I'm about to storm out of here. It's Fez, you damn you geek. Remember uh, Red Dead Redemption? You're basically doing all those things that you just described. Yeah, yeah okay, fine. Red Dead Redemption. And then you do, you do them again in Skyrim, and you do them again in, uh, in Breath of the Wild. Well, when you put it that way. But you know what's interesting is, though, that, that was so incredible about what he was doing was it was taking him longer to come out come out with it. So while it was taking him longer because he kept redoing it and figuring out better ways to do it, then all the people on the internet started attacking him. Yeah, so maybe ego is not the right it's word. It's not ego it's because not here's ego. the thing. When, they start, when you start getting attacked online, what do you do? You'll go, oh, you'll leave me alone after a yeah, while. Yeah, or yeah. then you start lashing back. And when you do that, you... Now like my you get movie, the idea that I just threw out, which is probably incorrect. So, but it's okay. So I mean, Phil, come on Geekscape and I'm sorry. Well, well here's the thing though. Like... <laughs> Phil actually was at my first screening too, mm-hmm. which I couldn't believe. I was like, Phil Fish, and he loved the movie. And he was like even saying, man, I totally identify with what Russ was going through with people on the internet going after him. Right. I didn't even think of that at all as comparable at all because, you know, we'll get into it when we talk about Russ, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different thing, I think. But it's still, it was so interesting to hear that. Right. Now the um, the other documentary filmmaker I reached out to, to uh, you know to really give me advice was Rodney Asher. Uh-huh. So Rodney Asher directed Room Two Thirty Seven and The Nightmare. Mm-hmm. The Nightmare. You ever see The Nightmare? No, but Room Two Thirty Seven got like I think blew up. It, it did. Was, like a huge. I mean, basically, Room Two Thirty Seven is so genius because what are you doing? You're going through footage of The Shining mm-hmm. while you're listening to other people's commentary about what it's what they think it's really about. Right. And by, you know, he didn't film them because he didn't have the budget for that. But by listening to them, by only hearing their voice while looking at the footage of The Shining, you start getting obsessed about their obsession. Right. I don't, I'm obsessed with that movie. But The Nightmare, that in my opinion is one of the scariest movies ever made. It is a documentary that Rodney Asher did. It's a documentary about people that have like the worst horrific. They have sleep paralysis, like the nightmares. Oh, where, I heard about this. Okay, one. I now, can't. I can't. Oh, do it. Do it. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> I've Someone seen who it. has sleep paralysis. You like, have sleep paralysis, dude. And I, and it's. I mean, I, I. You have to like start trying to hack your body back to life. And it, dude, I'm so claustrophobic to begin with. And I want to watch this movie with you. I want to watch it with you. This will be my sixth sixth time. Here's the thing. That movie, so while someone's, while they're talking about their horrible nightmare, Mm. as they're talking about it, then they start doing reenactments of it. And the reenactments are just as good as any horror film. The sound design that Jonathan Snipes did, um, who did the theme song to Room 237, did the theme song in this, but he also did the sound design with Christopher Flieger, another great sound artist. 
they were getting there's parts where the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up the sounds that they were unleashing you mm-hmm. have to watch that movie loud crank up the so volume it's like, a, it's like a horror movie it is i think it's the scariest movie ever made because you could go to like I, i'm picturing in the future little kids at a sleepover you know one kid going i got nightmare on elm street and one kid going i've got this one the nightmare and it's real yeah this is this is a documentary Jonathan Snipes, who did the music to those movies, did the theme song to McKamey Manor in my movie. Mm-hmm. That's I, cool. I went after like my music, the music for Haunters. I hunted down like some of my favorite musicians. You have to. They all said yes. Yeah. And it was, it's one of those things when you're doing like something that's as indie as this movie was. You got to win people over and get them excited to be a part of it. And I was just lucky that I was able to like get people that I've worshipped for so long to be a part of it. We had a director on the show years ago when this when he put his movie out also about haunts. And I'm I'm sorry guys, my his name's blanking, but it, the, he was in Troll 2. <laughs> oh, the American Scream. The American Scream. Yeah, and so yeah. we we did it's some promotion movie. for American Scream and uh and I like the American Scream. Uh, I think that um, you can see why why we're com- why I'm comparing the two. Um, I feel like that one is very focused. What gave I think that the American Scream gave me the impression that these people rev up for Halloween. Does that make sense? Like like it's like Halloween's coming, clock is ticking, and I think they use that as a narrative device in that film to say we've only got X number of days before Halloween to launch this thing, and it definitely gave me the impression. That haunted hayrides, haunts, things like this were definitely DIY, definitely sometimes on the border of whether or not the city's going to shut you down or not, probably unpopular in the in, in the neighborhood, and that it was a Halloween thing. Um, what's your background, John? Like, where did you grow up? I grew up in Orange County. Uh-huh. So I grew up going to Not Scary Farm. Sure. I grew up going to Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights, you know. I'm spoiled by going to like the greatest haunt and horror attractions of all time. You liked, I mean, Halloween Horror Nights. I've I haven't been in over ten years. What I know, last but, year, but I heard, last I heard year, it's okay. gotten amazing. Look, last yeah. year was one of their best years ever. Mm-hmm. Last year they had an Ash versus Evil Dead maze, right? Where you really went through the show, and then you <laughs> even went through a time portal that took you back to the original movie. So and you're in the cabin. It was yes. It was, I'm telling you right now. You got Ted Raimi in the basement. <laughs> yes, they actually, I have, on my Instagram, I have the crazy robotic puppet they have of that character swinging its head around at you. Crazy. I asked John Murdy, who's the head haunter over there, and he said, oh my God, the amount of times people would just punch that head, it was horrible, because they had to keep repairing mm. things, because people have fight or flight reactions, or people are just jerks. Yeah, people will fight. The or there's tough guys, right? There's and, always some well, jerks. Do know, they have the deer that's laughing at you? Uh, and Evil I Dead think, 2, the deer I laughs. I think they had the laugh. I forget now because, honestly, there's so much sensory overload in that thing. And was, I did I did that one three times. And it's crazy hearing about like evil, how Evil Dead, that cabin was built in like a high school gym. Oh, God, <laughs> you know, I know. Like, I know. Like, like they didn't get – they couldn't get a studio where they were filming, so they just got a, a high school gym and they built the studio in the high school gym. Oh, I, I just love those movies. But, you know, they had the Shining Maze last year. Yeah, yeah The yeah. Shining Maze, which was incredible. But I was they just at the Mystic – 
What's that? They had a purge thing. Like, oh yeah, there's a whole. I don't they know. They had a, a Blumhouse uh, triple feature where you went through three different Blumhouse movies in a row. Weird. Was, it was, that's, that's a great idea. <laughs> there was another triple feature where it was um, a Nightmare on Elm. It was Freddy, Leatherface, and Jason. Those are the guys. And what the beginning of that maze was is this little kid. You're in a little boy's room, and he's watching <laughs> those three movies on his TV, and he's getting scared, and you're going through his nightmares. That's awesome. It's, I mean, look, this is genius, and it's awesome, and it's meant for thousands and thousands of people to go through. Right. Meanwhile, Not Scary Farm was doing some really great stuff this year, very innovative stuff. They had one called The Dark Ride. The Dark Ride was like one of the dark rides at like a theme park, but it's broken down, and you have to... You're walking on the tracks, and all the no. animatronics are slowing down. The music's slowing down. They, they put that on one of their actual rides? No, they created they, one, okay. and you're going not just through the ride. You're going through the break room where the security cameras are. You're going back and around. There's, they have these giant wizards and animatronic wizards and dragons slowing down. So John Cook, who created that one, he also created Paranormal Incorporated, which is another crazy haunt it's so much fun part stunt show part haunt this guy has the first r-rated escape room of all time that's opening up on thursday so thursday uh april 5th uh it's in upland it's called murder co it's from if you look up uh, black market escape rooms look up black market escape rooms you'll see how to get the ticket he gave me a tour of it while he was building it this is going to be so insane. And you're going. You're oh, going I'm going Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I'm going. Like, I'm, I'm so opening excited. Yeah. Opening day. Opening day. I'm going opening three day. in the afternoon. I cannot okay. wait. Because um, obviously, like, the escape rooms have exploded. And I think with the explosion of escape rooms, it's definitely created this climate where we can do haunts all year long. Sure. I mean, you know? but there's interactive experiences happening all year round. There was something called the Willows. Mm-hmm. It was like a two-hour interactive horror experience in a mansion but you're having dinner and you're hanging out with these people and you're going on an adventure i mean just in uh for valentine's day in australia alone went there mm-hmm. and alone did something all over melbourne where it was an adventure all over australia a horror adventure and obviously there was um oh man my, my mind just blanked because i was thinking of something else but uh the the hotel in new york that, that sleep no more. The sleep no more. Of where course. a bunch of it was, it's almost like a theater group gets together, and they do these different rooms, and you can be divided from your party and all that stuff. I mean, I remember when I first heard of Sleep No More. It might have been around 2010, 2011, and in the tickets were tickets are, are are premium tickets, like it's expensive stuff, and it's basically a. A theater group got a hold of a hotel and was like, why don't we just have people go through the hotel and we can do different scary things to them? And it's brilliant for a theater group to do this. It is. It's a I performance mean, throughout the entire hotel. Because that's the thing now. It's like these are really – haunts have given birth to interactive horror experiences, immersive theater. Immersive theater, you yeah. Know, there, there's basically like how you have you know, for, for horror – you have subgenres, like thousands of subgenres of horror, right? So it's like from supernatural to torture porn and everything in between. That's and, the same thing now for these attractions. And think of it like when you're talking about the premium ticket price. Right. 
it's like a, getting a ticket for a Broadway show. Sure. But instead of sitting there passively watching it, you're going on an adventure. If you choose to go on one direction and I choose to go on another, we both go on different adventures. Just like Delusion, mm-hmm. the, uh, the interactive haunted house play. Which, yeah. oh, there's, I mean, look, there are so many of these things. You know, the tension experience is all year round. Do you know about the tension? No, but I don't think that, but I think that this is just the natural progression of the murder mystery. You know what I mean? Like, sort like of, I mean, so I don't even, the, I don't even know if it's a horror thing because I think you could go and you could do sure, but that be, all but, sorts but of stuff. You know things, what I mean? Like murder mysteries. Right. You're, tr- it's, you're trying to figure out who's doing something. Sure. A lot of these things are existential. Or like, es- like escape rooms too, or these sure. where you got to, there's just one singular goal. The, the ones that just place you, what you're saying in, in a, yeah, the, the existential ones where you're just kind of placing someone in a... An adventure, like choose your adventure. To sure. Me. To sure. me, it's choose your adventure. You know, mm-hmm. like if you make a decision, something else will happen. It's a, it's a, it's a role-playing game being played out. Instead of, you know, having foam swords, you're in something that feels and looks real. Like, right. So the tension experience, yeah. that's put on by Darren Lynn Bowsman. Okay. So Darren Lynn Bowsman, who made the Saw movies who uh, worked on uh, Tales of Halloween, who's he's always cranking out horror films. So you're getting like a guy who's great at telling scary stories. And so now he's bringing you into a cult. Oh, shit. And when you join it, uh-huh. it's not just the actual location where the thing happens. You're getting emails. You're getting phone calls. Things are happening to you all year round. You're getting stuff in the mail. You're getting stuff outside your work. You're, oh you, it's like the movie, the, the game. It's the movie, the game. Yeah. And they brought the game to reality. It, does it end in some, does, does it, you, do you have a narrative that ends in some Wicker Man style, like giant no, no, ending like or something? There's or? no ending. It's like you sign up. It's like, you know how the, the Walking Dead goes on? Sure. This, go, this goes on. Right. Only um, you're on the adventure. But I there's a that. safe word, I'm guessing? Of course. <laughs> look, every attraction has a safe word. Because if you need it to stop, it, it needs to stop. Because some of the stuff I saw in the in, in my movie was so course. damn look. Well, that's intense. That's different. McKamey Manor has no safe word. Yeah, let's talk about that because okay. that this guy Russ who runs McKamey Manor and I'm, and that looks local. I mean, they're doing this in it's a SoCal. That was in San Diego. San Diego, right? It was. And um, you know, the you root for the guy because he keeps getting shut down and you want somebody to, you know, as, as a filmmaker, you just want somebody to like see their vision through and you feel for him and he has his ranch land and he goes out on his ranch land and he starts building this enormous haunt and it looks so extensive, especially when you're starting people out by asking them to climb into, you know, um, like, like a cadaver cells and then the, yeah it was the, gonna be the, an electrified it, coffin that was yeah. going to shot freeze you and shock morgue. you at the same time in, in a, a morgue. morgue and then drop you into a tunnel a tunnel that, <laughs> you have to escape you have to fight to escape through look but even hearing him talk about it you're already going wait a minute yeah you like, can't do this you can't do this to you people you can't do this to people i mean the thing with the movie like if i'm going to film somebody and i'm making a documentary i'm pointing my camera at them sure i'm going to do Everything within my power not to exploit that person and not to be like, oh, imagine if I did a voiceover, Russ McCamey, he's gone too far. It's like, stop it. You can't judge you know yourself. You know I'd like to do? I'd like to point the camera, show you exactly what's going on and let you make up your mind. I also want to make sure yeah. that there's always at least one, at least one time where you get to empathize with the person 
Because when you see somebody, even if you totally disagree with them and what they're doing, even if for just one moment you can empathize with them, then you can start trying to understand their side of things. Sure. And that way you can actually try to prevent these things from happening again. You know, the, the more we stay in our own little bubble and we're only surrounding ourselves with things that make us comfortable, then the, more, the less we know how to communicate with others, the less right. we even know what's going on. And I saw online when people were complaining about McKamey Manor, they were complaining about things like the underground gambling group in Vegas, which doesn't exist. Russ made this thing up. <laughs> so there were, most of the people were really upset about things that didn't even happen. Right. And when I was showing in the movie was, I was just curious, like, what is Russ doing while he's filming these people? I've seen these videos. It looks like House of a Thousand Corpses in reality. Yes, you're like, filming Russ while somebody's getting, like, dunked in water and, like, crying. You Like, Russ is in their face with a video camera making video of it, and you're filming that, and I'm sitting here going, okay, I felt for the guy when he lost his haunted house in the ranch. Now that he had to move, you know, because basically what happens is the city sends him a cease and desist and starts threatening him with all sorts of, like, permits that he would need to purchase. It just made it impossible for him to continue to do this, especially year-round. And I mean, let's face it. I don't want to, but he, he ends up doing it in his house. But you're watching this and you're like, dude, this looks like torture porn. Yeah, it like totally he's making does. his own torture porn. It totally does. It totally is. I mean, but I just felt for the guy ten seconds ago. Exactly. I mean, like that's the thing. Like when you see someone's dream get ripped away from them, just as a human being, you're like, oh no. But then when you see what their dream is, you go, oh what? Yeah. He wanted to stick a video. <laughs> he wanted to stick a video camera in a face of somebody who's going. Through a near-death experience, arguably, you know, someone did pass out and was dead for a few seconds. Oh my God. I don't want to spoil anything. I mean, watch it for yourself, Geekscapist. But they're going, you know, he's putting people through incredibly intense, strenuous experiences with that, without a safe word, and he's laughing behind a camera in their face while they're doing this, and they're crying for the for the experience to end. And then at the end of the experience, you hear the exhilaration of some of these guests saying. I can't believe I was able to make it through that. It was inspiring. And then other people saying, you know what? I'm fucking pissed because this guy put me through this and it's fucked up. And so well, those are the two so reactions. John is playing, John's playing both sides of it and showing you both the dynamic aspects of this situation. And it's worth talking about. It's really, oh, look, I mean, the, I was so excited to talk to you about it. The two reactions too were really like, I can't wait to do this to someone else. I can't wait to hurt somebody else. Mm-hmm. And the other reaction was, I would never be able to do this to someone else. I can't believe it happened to me. Yeah. Which is funny because it's, almost it's like, like Stanford prison experiment shit. Or it's like um, fraternities and sororities. Sure, sure. You know, people have actually died pledging frats and sororities. Absolutely. And yeah. they're still around. They're everywhere. And that doesn't go on for eight hours like Russ's. Mm-hmm. That goes on for a year. Russ is doing this for eight hours. Eight wow. hours. So it goes on for a year on a college campus. Right. And what's your reward? You get to torture someone for three years? Well, you get STDs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> horrible things can happen. But the STDs, fact, alcoholism. <laughs> like I'm not trying to like to diminish what Russ is doing because when I first saw what he was doing, I was like, okay. When I first heard about an extreme haunt, I was like, that sounds too much for me. Right. I'm, I'm used to like the boo scare. And mazes. you grew up loving this stuff. I love, of course yeah. I do. But yeah. like. You know, it's like if someone says, I love horror. It's like, okay, do you love torture porn? They go, well, no. And then they'll tell you what they consider horror. Sure. Like for me, it's like there are a thousand subgenres of haunt. There are some that I'm ne- I just can't do. And 
like really like McKamey Manor filming it that was too much for me like you, I had so nightmares you couldn't do it you couldn't do no, it I threw up while filming there I, I freaked out I, I almost passed out once it really was way too much for me what was the worst thing that you witnessed oh my god while filming it what, what's something that you just cut from the movie that you're like I like oh well the the, the stuff that was just cut out of the movie is just because of Time. You know, it would have been a 12-hour movie. Right. Um, I'll tell you one thing I cut out of the movie, though. I cut out a guy who, his name is Rudy. Nothing bothered him in McKamey Manor. Oh, he just They shaved there. his head. Nothing, they, dr- they dunked him underwater, and he can't breathe. And they said, how was that? And he goes, it was horrible. They, but he had a smile on his face. They put a tarantula on him, and he goes, oh, it's a brown recluse. Oh, I love With these the guys. Nothing bothers this guy. And they said to him, uh, what does scare you? He's like, well, my wife. And then they got his wife on the phone. Next thing you know, he's, you know, blindfolded. His wife's there with a hose, and she gets right to his face, and she says, "Bark like a dog." And he's like, "Oh shit!" And she sprays the water right up his nose, and she was being way more aggressive than anybody else. It was crazy. Oh, it's just like couples therapy. <laughs> it was. And then Ru- Russ was like, "Hey, would you, would you two want to work at my haunt?" And they did. And they're like a total, you know, BDSM couple. Right. You know, but they had a problem with the fact that there was no safe word. And that was like, oh, you know right. what, there really needs to be a safe word. Everyone. I asked Russ a hundred times. There was a person though, um, Christina Buster. Sure. She's the one who flew out from Kuwait. I've said this one before. If you've mm-hmm. heard it, you can stop me. No, go for it. But she's from Kuwait. She, she's an American contract worker that works in Kuwait. She's the one in the movie. She, she's Skyping and she says... Yeah, the worst part about uh, uh, Kuwait is that they don't have ha- Halloween here. And I was right. like, well, that's a funny Yeah, comment. you're in a fucking active war zone. Yeah, there's <laughs> other problems with Halloween. But then she comes out here and she does all the extreme haunts. Actually, just last weekend, she I saw her online going to a bunch of extreme haunts in Vegas. Okay. So she went and at one point she just checked out. Uh, she went into shock. Yeah. And there was no responding. And then I said to Russ, like, she's in shock. And he's like, is she? And she's, we're looking at her, and she is not even registering nothing. Yeah. So I just put down the camera, picked her up, and brought her inside the house and put her on a couch because I was just, I was really scared. I'm like, this was, you see someone going to shock in front of you, you know. I, I'm a very empathetic person, and so I'm, I'm sitting there with her for 30 minutes, uh-huh. nothing. And then 30 minutes later, she snaps out of it. She just blinks her eyes and looks at me, and she goes, "Why am I not in the haunt anymore?" <gasps> I said, because you went into shock. And she said, I flew 19 hours for this. Put me back in that haunt. Russ comes in and she's, he's like, hey, how you doing? She's like screaming, put me back into that haunt now. This time, don't take it so easy on me. I was like, whoa, hold on. I was getting scared. Are they like hitting her and like dunking her in the water? And like, well, yeah, they, t- yeah. they, you know, it's when you watch those. They videos, act like they're torturing you. They're like they act like they kidnap you. Like they they well, blindfold you. It's a and whole they scream at you experience. They, they cover you and stuff. Yeah. Look, it's one of those things you can watch those videos a million times, but until you see what it feels like when they grab you that way. Oh, for sure. When it, you don't even know what it smells like in there. I mean, they're trying to make it smells. They they made it smell really bad in McKamey Manor, so that when you go in there, it smells like death. And look, when they duct tape your entire face, when they're it's so aggressive, it's so crazy that by the time it first starts, it's like, wait a minute, this is too much for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, it, that's why it's like, you got to have a safe word, you know, which is interesting because he's no longer in San Diego. Now he's in Tennessee. Okay. And in Tennessee, 
the sheriff there has forced him to have a safe word. Oh, right. Like, no more, no safe words here, buddy. Right. And he's like, no, you don't understand. And then the sheriff apparently just threatened him and said, I'll tell you right now, I will sh- shut this down and lock you up if I hear that you're operating without a safe word. And he is, and now, so Russ ultimately got the space that he wanted to make his ultimate haunt in Tennessee, or is he still trying to? Not really. I mean, he just, everyone in San Diego just got put up, you know, had enough of this. Right. You know, they ran him out of town. So. Yeah, the city inspectors and this and that. Really, Geekscape has watched the the movie. It's, it's people pursuing their dreams in a way that I don't think you'd seen before. And it's also an artist doing it, yeah. The idea, too, is like I asked the question, where do these extreme hunts even come from? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't – I remember when I first heard about blackout, it was like naked people waterboarding you. I was like, what? What's going on? And so that's why I did that timeline in the movie. And we started realizing, oh, wow, Halloween made its most amount of money to date um, at the time in 2001. So right after September 11th, Mm -hmm. that October – made the most amount of money Halloween had ever made. 2008 beats out 2001, 2008, the financial meltdown. Mm-hmm. This, the problem with the documentary is you have to stop filming. Last year, last year was the biggest year in Halloween history. Halloween made $9.1 billion. Wow. I believe it's $3 billion more than the most it's made before. $9.1 billion. You don't need me to explain to you uh, why last year was like a <laughs> such a crazy year. I mean, right. I, I call it like the the therapeutic value of getting scared. I call it scarapy. Yeah. Because it's the idea that like we go so we can scream and freak out in public and have that giant release, mm-hmm. you know, that when we were a little kid, having a meltdown would give us. Right. You know, that we're not allowed to do as adults, you know. So that's it, why you see that. That, that that need and that release for it. That's a theory that I've held for a long time. And in 2012, when we started making Doc of the Dead, which is a Geekscape co-produced documentary about zombie culture, um, Alexander Philippe, the director of the film, um, I was not interested in making the movie. I thought that zombies, they didn't interest me. In Geekscape, as you may have heard this over the years, but um, you were there. In the If, if you're a long-time Geekscape, as you were there in the process of making this film and and premiering it at South by and all that. And, uh, and I love the movie, but it wasn't until, um, I, you know, looked and said again, post nine 11, post Katrina, the instantaneous way in which we're hit with this post-apocalyptic imagery, um, on a collective level, you know, it, it causes us to go towards things like walking dead. And, and as Something that didn't make it into Dock of the Dead. There's a lot of things that didn't make it into the Dock of the Dock of the Dead that I was obsessed with, but it, you know, for multiple reasons. And and I like the movie. I love working with Alexander. I think uh, he's awesome. Um, but I was I was on it like a dog on a bone on this whole idea. You know, we interviewed somebody from the um, CDC. We uh, Center Center for Disease Control mm-hmm, about the kind of diseases they have underground, which, I mean, I just didn't sleep after that conversation <laughs> because, because I'll tell you this, I mean, uh, the, the whole Russia 
the whole Cold War wasn't going to end with nukes. It, was, it just you don't want to nuke a, a population center that you then want to go repopulate. You know, you don't want to take over a country that's been nuked. I mean, the Russians know that because they have Chernobyl. You know, so it was. I mean, the whole idea that these diseases are sitting in labs. I mean, that was something that we were talking about in the process of making that documentary. That I would love for that footage to be released. I have the footage on a hard drive, and then you know, talk, in talking to preppers. I loved going down that rabbit hole, and maybe there's a, a future movie in that Geekscapist. Um, I, you know, the the idea of talking to these preppers that we are dealing with our own survival, but we have to use these prisms to do it because the truth is, and talking to people from the CDC about putting up a website, and nobody visits this website when they're telling people once a year to like get a flu shot, or this is what you do if this breaks out or, you know, your kid comes home with this cold and every year they would put up a website with a specific disease telling you how to inoculate yourself against it and 600 people would go and they put up a, a, a fictitious zombie one and they couldn't keep the website up enough. And I went I, on that I, one. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I think that the truth is, um, you know, like – in talk, you know what we did? We went down to, to Irvine, UC Irvine, and we talked to one of the leading Alzheimer's researchers about blood-brain barriers and the diseases that can make their way into your brain. And the stuff he was talking about, protein folds and prion diseases and how all we need is for mad cow, which is 100% fatal, you know, um, to decide to go airborne because it's a prion disease. It doesn't respond to defenses. It just mutates however it wants. It's based, you know, it's built on protein folds that can be caused by eating too high up a food chain as in cannibalism. <laughs> you end up with these protein folds that become prion diseases. These diseases, they're not viruses. They, they respond however the hell they want. They can just go airborne wherever they want. You know, and you have something like the Spanish flu with 12% mortality rate in the early part of the 20th century. And we have people, millions and millions of people dying worldwide. And then you've got something like well, that's a 12% mortality rate. You have something with, you know, that's 100% mortality rate. Like, uh, you know, that was a scary movie to make. And again, I wasn't interested until I realized that we were doing these things as almost culturally cathartic. Yeah. It, there's a personal level to this. And there's a cultural level to the catharsis that we're dealing with. After de- after watching these post apocalyptic scenarios break out, like you said, and I think your movie, yeah, it, it, well, it's think of insane. it. It's like what George Romero used to do. It's like what the great horror filmmakers have always done. They hold a mirror of, to society. Did you ever talk to George? Oh yeah, one time at Monster Palooza. Isn't incredible? He was an incredible guy. I in and he knew what he was doing. Yeah, he didn't fall upon this shit on accident, which is why he he's. A master. Oh, look, he, the, these horror filmmakers that like, where they hold the mirror to society and they let us, in a way, confront our worst fears mm-hmm. and escape our worst fears while at the same time having a scenario that is impossible. Like, it's like, think of the movie Get Out. Right. Look, if I told you, hey, I got a great drama about race relations and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's going to really bum you out. You're going to be like, I don't want to watch that. I've got a horror film. It's horror and it's comedy. You'll scream and you'll laugh. Like, all right, let's go check it out. And it was such a healing thing to see that movie. It's awesome. And to have a whole conversation. I mean, my favorite horror movies are movies that are about something. I argued 
the year that it came out that Black Swan was the best horror movie that year because of what it did about self-image and that whole, you know what I mean? Like in the way Aronofsky shot it using horror designs oh, yeah. and his jump scares. I thought it was it was brutal, and it's got a level of self mutilation to it, et cetera. Blah, blah, blah. Right, they, they're able to awesome. to visit things when you when mm-hmm. you create some heightened, crazy sense of reality, and you go way beyond it, and we go into surrealism. Then we can address things that you just people aren't comfortable even talking about, and right. go go into those issues. And that's what I was seeing with these these horror films. I'm like, wait a minute. When did the torture porn films, like the so-called torture porn films, start? Like Saw and Hostel. Yeah, the, what do those say? I'm not. I mean, those are that's a specific genre. I'm not a fan of. Have you ever seen like the original Saw and the original Hostel? Yeah. And what are they? I'm, I, I try and figure out what those movies are about on that on that that macro level. Well, that's the thing that's so interesting about those movies. Like, well, number one, when they came out, they came out after the war on terror started. Mm-hmm. And they came out after we started seeing images of Gitmo. In Abrogrip. No, that's right. Yeah. Once we started seeing that we're torturing people around the world mm-hmm. and using the, the, some of the most insidious ways of torturing somebody, then all of a sudden we have torture movies that are coming out. You know, what's so interesting about Saw is Saw is really kind of like a really crazy horror film about uh, universal health care. Hmm. Like what happens when you don't have the any coverage and you have something that can actually like you realize that the, the story it's, it's in the first one mm-hmm. where uh, i believe jigsaw was an architect and his wife um was uh, had died of cancer and there was nothing he could do to um to save her she was losing from the backstory um, yeah um, this is off sure, of memory sure, from sure. a while ago <laughs> i haven't seen that one in a while but you know it was the idea that she was you know losing herself uh, a piece at a time. So mm-hmm. then he puts people that he feels have flaws and he puts them through these horrific, you know, he creates these horrific escape rooms, you know, where they have to leave something behind. And what are you willing to lose in order to survive? Mm-hmm. What's interesting is on Bloody Disgusting, there was a great article written by a cancer survivor who was talking about how a lot of cancer survivors love the Saw movies, because when they're going through like, the worst experience of their life and they can't explain that to their loved ones and they can't let anyone know, they're saying things like if they were if someone that they knew was locked in a room and they were forced to actually take a part of themselves off in order to like face their worst fears and, 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 and survive, then mm-hmm. they would know what they're going through. And they love that about the Saw movies. Not, wow. You, you know. just made the Saw. I mean, you've basically justified them. And I mean, they, 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 I've been critical of the Saw movies, but Look, that, wasn't even that's the either. first time I've heard about that. And I, I read that. That's and incredible. It, you, know, it was, you know, it was another one, too. It was like, I mean, the Hostel films. Mm-hmm. Like, Hostel 1, I love Hostel 1. And Hostel 2, oh, my God. Hostel 2 is so amazing. And there's like a xenophobic level to it, or what is it? I mean, There's a lot to Hostel. I mean, one thing to Hostel is uh, the fact that Americans don't know that a lot of Americans aren't willing to learn anything about other people's cultures. Remember in the first Hostel movie, they kept saying, oh, there's no guys over there because of the war. And they go, oh, yeah, because of the war. There is no war. Right. There was no war. They're talking about something that never happened. But they just nod their head and go, oh, yeah, because of the war. And they're showing how easy it is uh, for them to be duped. duped. Yeah. But they're also showing, look at how they're acting. 
they're using it like, you know, they're using a foreign country like it's their, you know, toilet. Like, I, I've been to Amsterdam before, and then I saw, like, a bunch of, like, college kids at Amsterdam, like, they're totally being obnoxious jerks and not treating it, like, with any amount of respect. You know, not yeah, trying to, to learn a break. few words. Even three words are French when you go to France. Right. Like, honestly, all I could figure out was, and I, only reason I know any French at all, I got, like, this this thing where it teaches you French, but to, like, music and it's this, this sexy French lady's voice. So uh, my problem is I can only say French stuff with this. I, I go, je vous dre, cafe au lait. That's how I learned it. <laughs> but they loved it. They laughed and they understood that I was trying. You're right. And if I just. So you didn't get killed. Well, look, if you go to France and you walk around and you go, ah, I don't know how to speak French. And you, it, yeah. if, imagine if someone just came up to you, not even trying to learn English. And then they're just blurting some stuff. But except if they had, if they learned three words and they're pointing, you're like, you know what? You're trying. Yeah. I'm going to help you I out. I will not kill you. No, I'm not going to kill you. But the thing <laughs> with hostels, I mean, think about it. It's so... Oh, I murder people all the time when they're not trying. Oh, stop it. It's <laughs> not just because like, of that. Welcome but, to Geekscape. But that's <laughs> all of a sudden the door behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But that's the thing with hostels. Like, Hostel 2, I thought, was so incredible because you got to go behind the scenes. And you're watching the people that are the victims as it's leading up to then the people who are going to kill them. And then the entire infrastructure... From the bidding on people to... Did you see Hostel 2? No. Oh, my no. God. Hostel 2. Like, We're good. <laughs> oh, my God. Hostel- I, mean, I, saw, I mean, I saw Cabin Fever. I loved Cabin Fever. Oh, God. Well, it's the- so horrific. That, <laughs> I, I, that one is- something about those disease movies, like like the the meteorite one in, in Creepshow that Stephen King directed oh. and is in. Like, I can't deal with that shit. And that's kind of the basis for... In Underground, I made a movie called Spores. It was kind of Night of the Comet meets that stuff is like those infection movies fuck me up so of course like, they do so body like cabin, horror so cabin fever fucked me oh up. dude i can only see i saw cabin fever one time <laughs> yep. it's the leg shaving once the leg shaving mm-hmm. starts it's like but you know it's a there's something too watching the people in the hostel like those torture scenes and then the back of your mind is abu Ghraib, and the back right. of your mind is what we're doing to other people it's worse you know and what we did in reality versus what this movie's doing where they're doing that mixed in with comedy. Sure. I mean, there's definitely a Three Stooges element mixed in with Hostel. Like when the guys are trying to get the power saw thing and he's getting real close to the guy's face and all of a sudden the, the plug pulls out of the wall. Yeah. He's like, I got to go back and get an extension. And Raimi was always like the Three Stooges guy. I remember Oh yeah. Um, when we were doing the first zombie con, uh, Geekscape produced a convention was part of producing a convention in Seattle for two straight years called ZombieCon. In the first year, we had Bruce Campbell and Ted Raimi there, and they were showing us these early shorts that they would make. Oh, silent shorts, like The Blind Waiter. Have you seen The Blind Waiter? No. The Blind Waiter is Bruce Campbell acting like a blind waiter, and it's just straight up Three Stooges stuff. And (laughs) it's these black and white 16 reversal movies that are just like – fun and they or you know and and they would that's where they like he and rob tapert's playing a role and sam raimi's playing a oh, role wow. and they're all doing these three stooges acts that you definitely see when you know when 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 you see those first movies that sam raimi did and i mean right up to like some of those spider-man movies and so you're just like watching and you're like yeah this that's some three stooges stuff like oh look you know, it's awesome evil dead 2 when he's attacking himself with his own hand with the plates and he's attacking the hands attacking him 
for, and then all the way to, and then you get to Army of Darkness when they just literally went, we're going three stooges with the skeletons. We're going to mm-hmm. do the poking, eye poking yeah. and <laughs> yeah. even Gagging. the sound effects. It's like, <laughs> it's a love Army. letter. It's a straight up love letter to that stuff. It's so great. I mean, like, well, that's what's the fun thing that you see in a lot of horror. You see the filmmakers, you know, it's a lot of these films, you feel like you're getting their eight year old self getting unleashed. Yeah. And the eight year old self sees the line between horror and comedy that there is no line. No. It's like Monty Python. It's all design. It's just yeah. this fun design. It's, oh, sure. It's incredibly dynamic. But look how violent yeah. some of those Monty Python movies are and how mm-hmm. bloody and gory they are. Yeah. Because, you know, chopping off someone's arms and legs. <laughs> it's and just the, a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. What? <laughs> or like the bunny attacking everyone. Yeah, I love it. How about the puking scene in uh, Meaning of Life? Uh-huh. Where the, the guys, they keep bringing out buckets for the vomit. He's vomiting everywhere. It's right. the most disgusting thing ever. <laughs> you could, If you just told someone, this is a horror film, they'd be horrified too. Right. I mean, I just love when there's, when the line between ultra-violent horror and insanely ridiculous comedy is blurred away. That's when you get some of the most, you know, why, I mean, that's why, you know, American Werewolf in London will always be a classic, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. No, the, the um, I, I was thinking along the same lines when you were saying that, obviously triggered by the vomiting scene, uh, Stand By Me. Oh, God, It's ultimately yes. just kids oh, going God. to look at a dead body. It's just, it's, it's all about morbid curiosity. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, God, that vomit scene. <laughs> I mean, look, you could do a whole podcast on vomit scenes about the vomit scene in, uh, in the, uh, Blade. Dead Alive? No, not, oh, yeah, that was a Brain good dead? one, too. I was thinking about, uh, <laughs> the tapioca pudding. Oh, the God. <laughs> or the Witches of Eastwick. Sure. The Witches sure. that put the cherries and the, <laughs> the cartoon vomit that went everywhere. I think, are they remaking that? I keep hearing rumors of that. I keep hearing that. they are. I, oh. It's just, it's already like the weirdest movie ever. But my, I mean, I was, Watching, I was, I was, um, went to a, a place to watch basketball the other night and, um, because I cut the cable, but in cutting the cable, you don't end up with ESPN and every now and then your favorite team ends up with an ESPN game. And I was sitting there and I was in heaven. There were three NBA games in front of me and on the fourth television to my left was Peter Jackson's last Hobbit movie. And I just got so fucking sad because I'm like, I mean, Peter's a hero. I don't know what happened to one of those Hobbit movies. My heroes get some serious get out of jail free cards. And there's a lot of cool sh- stuff in the, in those Hobbit movies. But, um, man, that first time you see brain dead, Oh, You're just on. like, wait, wait, this movie has a dude chopping up zombies with a lawnmower in the end of it. And like, I kick ass for the Lord and just like seeing all that amazing stuff. You it's know, funny because it's, that movie it's has all comedy and a horror. And it's perfect. That, that movie, is a perfect movie. That movie's got different titles in different regions because it's brain dead in some and dead alive in mm-hmm. others. And we knew it as dead alive. Yeah, right? we knew it as dead alive, but I remember, Oh my God. And it's so funny seeing Peter Jackson in that movie mm-hmm. because he was like rail thin and he was working, he was working at a, uh, at a gas station while he was making that over years. He would just have yeah. enough money to go shoot for a while and have it. It's funny. Well, now, was that brain dead or was that, uh, um, b- or was that um, That's a bad alive. taste? Oh, bad taste. Bad That's taste right. Was, I'm sorry. Taste I just, was the one you're talking about. You're right. I just, I just conflated, where, I just conflated where, his entire filmography. he shoots a fucking bazooka through a house and blows up a sheep on yes. the earth. 
That's like one of the Bad best gags. taste. Oh my god. What's one of so the funny- coolest gags is that bazooka where you fire the bazooka. I don't know how many shots they put together to make that or miniatures. I don't know how they made that shot. Wait. But the bazooka, the missile goes through a house. They yes. open the door. It, they're trying to blow up the house, but they keep, but it's but the door is open, so it goes through the entire house. And at the other end of it, there's a sheep that's like what, and it blows Boom. up. Yeah, I no, love that, bad taste. Bad taste. That's the one that's one where he was working at the gas station. I so, won an Oscar. What's so funny about bad taste is that like then when they got they filmed the whole thing in order mm-hmm. and of course they don't have money for good special effects it's all very handmade like the aliens are just people that look like people right and then all of a sudden they get an investor and money to like finish the rest of the movie so now all of a sudden the people are turning in crazy aliens <laughs> spaceships are flying out of nowhere like wait a second out of nowhere this small little movie just becomes this giant epic crazy what the fuck we're going to can we're going to cans everybody and I, I mean was that the story i mean i don't know the story yes and, and, and i mean but they they, they got in the can and or con, or however you want to say it, but as soon as they got in the con film festival, did they get money to go and make the movie better? Like, I, don't I don't know, know the, the story. I don't know that like, part of it. All I know is when they got the money, and you can see it on the screen. All of a sudden, you know, a house is a spaceship. It's amazing. Are, it like it became in total insanity. And then his next, oh my, they meet the Feebles and meet all the that. Feebles. I've been like That's the my ex, my ex wife asked me to turn it off. She's like, I can't watch this movie, and I was like, this movie's amazing. Look, it's a X rated <laughs> Muppet <Show>. movie. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that's so funny is that he got to, he did Lord of the Rings. When I first heard he was doing it, I was like, do Perfect. they know? It's like the Frighteners and Dead Alive and creatures. Bad Taste and Beautiful, beautiful Creatures. Beautiful Creatures is what I think, think about, got, that's what, sure, but perfect. All, but all those other elements, they're all kind of squirrel, like when you, the Frighteners, there's yeah. a lot of the Frighteners in Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah. Like especially the the death creature that was mm-hmm. going around in the frighteners was so much like the ring wraiths. Yes, but you also, I mean, when they went into the 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 kingdom of the dead, like in the the two towers, I believe, um, you, that's like the whole going through like the searching for the remot, like Sumatran rat monkey and dead alive, and like you see the whole you see all the different canyons that they're going through and yeah. stuff like that. Like you know, you see the whole filmography. You see his whole filmography with right. models with practical effects, with every crazy thing that he's been passionate about forever went into Lord of the Rings. Right. The thing with The Hobbit is, look, he wanted, you know, Guillermo del Toro, he wanted Guillermo del Toro to do those. And, you know, know, Guillermo would have done something crazy with that. Right. But then the studio, it was going to take forever and they weren't backing it. So then he's like, fine, I'll do it. And you could feel the kind of fine, I'll do it to The Hobbit. I mean, I saw The Hobbit in one of the, in the, at the Chinese theater with those motion seats. Yeah, yeah. And as I was falling asleep, then the, the seat would move and wake me up. I'm like, okay, there you go. You should have to watch those movies in a barrel. Yes. <laughs> the barrel chase sequence. I although, mean... Although I did sit in the same theater for the um, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the greatest because... What a great movie to watch in the theater. seats and when they're the D-Box seats and when the engines are revving, the seats start revving. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, I spray shit in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I get like hairspray, whatever I have, hairspray, whatever. I just go, I knocks myself. I don't believe that for a second. I spray it all over my face. I grab my neighbor. I spray him, make a friend. Uh, I just, let's go. Put the goggles on. To all the children listening, there's no way this man does this. Don't, don't let, he's, I'm looking at a physically fit man that goes to sports games that's hosting a show called Geek Skip. I've never seen someone this physically fit before. 
I doubt that he's using spray paint to spray paint his face. I doubt it. It's uh, it, you know what? It, it it may be something. It may be my next torture thing. Um, it's so much fun. Uh, when that movie came out, there was all those signs. They were you know about around the spray paint at Home Depot. Like, do, do not spray this in your face. Stop it! He kept saying, "Stop doing this." Well, Did you see all those? Pictures? What were they called? They were those kids were called wild. They're not wild boys. What were they called? War boys. War boys. War boys. <laughs> He's my blood bag. I should do that before Geeks game episodes. Be like, you know what I used to, you know what I used to do when we were on Toad Hop. And Total Hop, we would do late at night. I don't like doing the show at late at night. I'm a morning person. I like getting up in the morning and fucking let's go. By the time it's 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock rolls out, my brain is useless. I'm fucking done. <laughs> I'm done. Um, so I would always go and get like monster energy drinks on the way to – we used to record above a CV, that CVS on Hollywood right there by the Chinese at the WeWork building. And I used to go to the CVS and get monster energy drinks and I would just – pound them before Geekscape and I could hear my heart fluttering <laughs> but that was the only way I could do a show at like 8 or 9 o'clock because I usually wake up before 6am and it's like nah, I can't do it so I should do the, I should do the War Boys thing before every Geekscape and just be like hey guys welcome to Geekscape <laughs> alright let's go <laughs> Sorry, a lot of concerned parent groups are going to come after you dude <laughs> <laughs> parents, uh, I mean, I guess parents do listen to this show. Some of you have been listening to me so long that you've had kids over the course of making this. Um, I'm looking at most of you. It's amazing. Uh, dude, John, you're fucking awesome. I think the audience should watch Haunters. I think they should realize that an artist with passion went to document a bunch of artists with passion and made a movie about art. And it's huge. Um, it's really about it, society's relationship with fear. You know, mm. when you look at it the most, and it's also, it asks the question, how far is too far? And then we show it to you. Right. And when this movie's over, there's always at least one or two people who go, I want to try my Kami Manor. Right. And there's everybody else saying, what the hell's going on here? But at the end of it, you get to watch something that's going to, I hope, you know, when I've, when I've seen it in screenings, people are laughing out loud. Sure. There's a lot of comedy in this movie, especially when you deal with the spouses who have said, I've had enough of this. Right. You get the emotional moments, like with Char Mayer, you know, the the legendary scare actor who... And she broke her back. Like, she got attacked by people who she was scaring. Fight or flight reactions kicked in, and people beat her up to the point where she needs to have back-end knees. Is that surgery. real or is that bullshit? It's real. I mean, it's the, no, no, the, the flight or flight oh, thing. Okay, like, that's, so, that sounds like a bunch of tough guys going into a haunt, looking to start shit with people who are jumping at them. I think it's a combination of a few different things. It's the combination of people that are genuinely scared that actually have a fight or flight reaction and can't control themselves okay and then there's the other people who probably showed up drunk who got scared didn't like looking like a wimp and then wanted to fight back and and to show off how tough they are yes broke her back which is the worst thing ever and the fact that she continues the it's funny because i didn't narrate the movie but if i did i'd probably bring up the idea of muhammad ali who kept boxing even past the point that he should have. You know, Shar's figured out a way to keep doing these haunts where she's no longer putting herself in in danger. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's doing the more immersive, interactive scare haunts where she gets to have the acting role, not the jumping out of a corner role. Sure. You know, but I consider these scare actors are like, they're actors, they're stunt people, they're athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, you to 
be able to, like, I worked at a haunted oh, house. people are hanging off the ceilings? It's like some Cirque du Soleil stuff on you some of these people. Oh Absolutely. God. Like, when I first met Donald, mm-hmm. so Donald's the guy who looks like the Terminator in the movie. He's doing a haunted house in his mother's driveway because his house doesn't have enough of, a big mm-hmm. enough of a front. So this guy is, you know, building the craziest thing ever in his mother's driveway. I met him in the sixth grade, and we were monsters in a haunted house together. So there's a photograph of him in the, as the old army guy, yeah. as the dead army guy. I'm the Freddy Krueger kid in that picture. That's awesome. Wearing the skeleton shirt yeah. and the Freddy glove. And we scared people so bad that they broke through the cardboard walls to get away from us. And they mm. had to shut down the maze because, you know, we scared everyone so bad. That's and, awesome. But the energy you have to have to scare everyone every three minutes that are going through there. Right. You know, it's a, the fact that Char has been doing it since 1974 – and she still does it, you know. Th- there's some stuff it's I didn't even know about that we didn't even put in the movie because I, di- I didn't know until we were done making the movie. And she, I found out later that she was in the original shadow cast for Rocky Horror Picture Show as Riff Raff. That's awesome. Oh my god! Like that's there's a, awesome. But anyways, it's it's really about how traditional haunted houses have spawned this subculture of extreme terror simulations, right? And really, how far is too far? It's a, it's a kind of the the battle and uh, what's been going on in the haunt world between the traditional haunts and extreme haunts. But we also offer a lot of hope in this movie in showing you that immersive, interactive theater is probably the future of all haunting. And I don't think that it's a subculture for long, especially with the whole propag- like this whole propagation of escape rooms, etc. People are loving this stuff. And, and Geekscape is like, um, sorry, we're just a podcast. But you know what? <laughs> Sometimes do things in person. Um, John, I love the movie. Uh, again, guys, it's called Haunters. Uh, it's available on Netflix or a lot of different VOD channels. If you go to HauntersMovie.com, you'll see where it's available. But if, if you look it up, look up Haunters, The Art of the Scare. And if you're around this Saturday, uh, April 7th um, at 2 p.m., we're going to be at La, La Mirada at the... Um, Spook Show 6. It's here in Southern California. Yeah, that's right. Okay. It's the Halloween Club Spook Show 6. Char's going to be there. Donald's going to be there. Oh, cool. I'm going to be there. Um, we have our moderator is going to be uh, Vanessa Decker, also known as Horror Vixen on Instagram. <laughs> She's so awesome. She plays a million followers and stuff like that. Yeah. And then we're going to have, I mean, that's great. If you've never, have you ever been to Spook Show before? Some of it gets too icky, man. No, like, you can go to Spook Show. Spook out. Show is like, the Halloween Club puts it on La Mirada. Uh-huh. They have low rider hearses bouncing oh, around cool. everywhere. No, that's they have cool. sideshow performers. So we're going to do a Q&A. Uh, Donald's going to talk about what he's been up to. Char has been blowing up since the movie. I love the, the horror community, but I have not been a part of horror stuff since. Well, I made a short called Gay by Dawn, my horror movie, and I used to go to a lot of horror film festivals. What by Dawn? Gay by Dawn. It's about homophobia. Oh my god! <laughs> it, was horror, it was a horror movie for homophobes, and I remember, I remember when that I, when I took it around film festivals. That's when I was really. It's not a horror movie for homophobes. It's a horror movie about homophobes. Both. You who they, they need to be scared of. They, I mean, they need their own movies too. No, 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 they don't. No, they don't. They need to be scared. Homophobes. <laughs> yeah, it's like again, it's an infection movie. <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> but uh, I was, I was into that stuff. But then, um, but not that I don't have appreciation for the horror genre. I very, very much do. Uh, and I think it's incredible design. I think these are incredible artists, and 
um, look no further than something like Whiplash and realize that that is a horror filmmaker who moved on to a different kind of movie. And then he made La La Land. But like the origins of people like Kenny, Jeremy Saulnier, uh, directors like that, they all have their origins start and sometimes they go back to the horror genre, which is incredible and cannot be dismissed. Uh, and that is why we are talking about it in April, hey, look, <laughs> which is great. Look, we got Spook Show in uh, on April 7th. The weekend after that is Monster Palooza. Monster Palooza's and back. So Monster Palooza's back, which is like where... That's where I see Slash from Guns are they and back Roses. In North, are they back in North Hollywood? Pasadena. Oh, they moved to Pasadena. Yeah, Dude, they're in Pasadena. It was too big for that they place need, by the airport. They just get bigger and bigger every yeah, year, so they needed more space. Way too big. You know, think about it. There, there are, and then there's Son of Monster Palooza Son of Monster in September. Palooza, yeah. You know, like, there's just, there are so many. I'm actually just got, I've been talking to a bunch of uh, haunt and horror conventions that are happening in July and August. Um it's all the time. You know, realize that last month was Trans World, which is mm-hmm. the big trade show for horror attractions. And thousands and thousands of people get together from all over. They go to St. Louis. I was at uh, HauntCon in January. We showed our movie in New Orleans. And in New Orleans, the haunts were open. So at Trans World, the haunts in St. Louis are open. Wow. This is like, this is a year-round thing. October is for the civilians. The rest of us are getting scared and going to things in the <laughs> hardcore community. We, we're doing it all year round. It's um, the best. So, John, so now understand why it took me so long to get you on the show, man. Like, I did not think that this was a non-Halloween thing, and here we are. April, dude. I should have had you on in January. Look, it's Jan- fucking January awesome, when dude. we started on Netflix, you know, more people were, were buying the DVD and Blu-ray and, and downloads in January than were in October. That's great. You know, because that's the other thing, too. If you buy the movie, it comes with 30 minutes of bonus features. So remember Haunted Overload, the guys with the giant skulls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, when you make a movie, the worst part is when you have to cut things out. I had a different version of this movie. It was an hour and 45 minutes. It was like haunt porn. It was so much mm. haunt. It was just haunt coming at you with no story. It was like, I'm giving <laughs> you more haunt. You know? But I had to, like, let, let's tell a story. We'll give you right. a beginning, a middle, and end, and kick some ass. Characters, characters, characters. The bonus features, you get the behind the scenes of Haunted Overload and their story. You get more with Delusion, the interactive haunted house play. You get more with Universal Studios and John Murdy. You get to see John Murdy's first home haunt he ever did. It was in 1977. It was a Star Wars haunted house. That's and he so made the awesome. costumes, and we have the pictures from that. And also his story about how his grandmother got him into scaring people. And then there's also more with uh, the Twisted Twins, Jen and Sylvia, the, the, the Saska sisters. Mm-hmm. We get more, you, they talk about cosplay over the years and how they make their Halloween costume every year. And you actually see pictures of all their Halloween costumes over the years. From when That's they were cool. like eight to when they were like 20. And it, it just keeps going from there. Like it's it's seven, the the Ellie haunted hayrides in it, mm-hmm. and you get to see the whole behind the scenes process of what they do. So you get seven bonus features that add up to be thirty minutes long. Because I'm tired of like bonus features that are more like this is crap that wasn't in the movie. Right. This is amazing. Here's a stuff. clip that has no context whatsoever. Right. These are these are all mini documentaries. So you get to see a little bit of uh, Not Scary Farms Scare School where they're training the the actors That's to scare cool. people. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun stuff. Go to that's at the website. Hauntersmovie.com. Cool. So, hauntersmovie.com. If you sign up on our email list, then when we do 
live stuff. Um, every once in a while, we do stuff with other haunts. You know, we did for our LA premiere. We had a haunted house that people got to go through <laughs> before they went into the movie. And That's awesome. You better believe we're gonna do some crazy stuff this year and throughout the year. So. Sign up. We'll get you all the information. Okay, great. Guys, join that. Uh, it's an email list, right? Yep. You go to hauntersmovie.com, and then you just g- click the contact button, sign up to be on the sign-in sheet, and boom, you'll get the emails. You get updates. We have a Facebook page, Instagram. We're always yeah. updating stuff. But if you go to hauntersmovie.com, you'll be able to find it. And you have those things as well for yourself. Yes, yeah. Because you're going to make another movie. You got it. We're working on a lot of stuff right now because – you know, we're, um, my company um, is The Brain Factory. So if you go to thebrainfactory.com, I've been doing, you know, crazy experiences, interactive experiences, uh, 3D, virtual reality, you know, projects for a long time. Um, this year, I had a virtual reality project come out called uh, Flatline Experience, where you go through somebody's actual near-death experience in virtual reality. Whoa. It's completely insane. Uh, Huffington Post went crazy for it. That sounds amazing. That's an odd. Yeah, that's yeah, It's a true story, too. Yeah. And you're, there's three commentary tracks to it. It really is a trip. Um, that is on um, Oculus and on Vive right now. Okay. But we also did, we did, uh, uh, Tim Burton hired me to do uh, President Obama's first Halloween party at the White House. Wow. Like, Tim Burton did it. That's incredible. But I, he brought me on to produce the 3D ghost illusions, the mm. president's. And we actually have some of that stuff from the behind the scenes of the White House. Um, even there's a great family photo of uh, President Obama with his family with Tim Burton and Johnny Depp all in costume. That's insane, dude. So, like, I'm always uh, – we've done 3D projects for the Annenberg Foundation, for Tashin Books. You know, uh, we I did uh, uh, horror attractions for YouTube where you actually go through we – we made the – crazy haunted house for their Halloween party a couple of years ago. And I brought on Donald to help out with that. And I brought on Char and was able to hire them. Yeah. And they did an amazing job. Um, I even got like some of the best makeup artists ever that worked on Deadpool. So like the, you know, there's actually yeah. a scene in the movie. It's from that when Char is getting made up as a clown, mm-hmm. it's gl- the, gl- the glow in the dark makeup. Yeah. That's from that haunt that I was hired to put on. That's so I was awesome. like, oh, my God, I get to hire these awesome people. And I'm getting some footage. And I'm putting it. this in the movie. Yeah. You better believe it. You know, so, you know, I have a background of doing a lot of that stuff. And uh, and so now with, with Haunters, the thing is, like, uh, people were asking if I would do a sequel. Like, we were just at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. I was on a panel called Immersive Horror Experiences. And they're asking if we'll do a sequel to Haunters. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to do a sequel i want to do a series right that's what i want to do yeah because it and, seems like it's evolving and you have uh, to document the evolution of it and, and you can't do that with a finite ending well that's the thing too it's yeah. like with a series i can take one hour deep dives in every single right. episode and, t- and show it really go deeper into the halloween subculture than you've ever gone before and really explore that entire spectrum in a, in a really cool way so yeah we've been in we've been in meetings since october so this is really exciting, and when I'm allowed to say more about it, I will, but we're on our way to do some really cool stuff. Geekscapists, um, follow John on social media. Um, you know, Follow Haunters on social media. But, John, your Twitter, your handles are what? Okay, so, oh, Twitter. I'm the worst at Twitter. That's fine. I, I finally, I'm finally doing more Yay. with Twitter. Um, 
actually all of our social media is listed on our site. Okay. So, you know, that's I, the place. I, I, on Twitter, I think it's at Haunters underscore movie. Uh-huh. You know, for my personal ones, it's uh, John J O N Schnitzer S C H N I T Z E R. If you go to johnschnitzer.com, you'll see all my social media for that cool. stuff. And you, on all these websites, you're going to see some really crazy behind the scenes stuff with, you know, zombies and virtual reality and crazy, crazy fun stuff. But you can see the links to it all on, on uh, hauntersmovie.com. Geekscape is. That is your mission for this episode. Uh, go and follow John. It sounds like he's got a lot more cool stuff coming up. Obviously, we're Geekscape, and you can find us on all the social media platforms. Um, and if you like virtual reality and seeing virtual reality, why don't you guys get on the Facebook group, Geekscape Forever, where you can see our very own Frank Sanders try and play Mario uh, Brothers in VR and uh, basically almost destroy his living room jumping around like a weirdo. <laughs> I have to see that now. Dude, he, I want to see that. He posted this video being like, hey, how, like, check this out. And he downloaded something off of like the marketplace on his VR. And you basically see him jumping around trying to jump on Goombas. It's not working well. He's trying to break blocks. He looks like he's going to fall over and destroy his entertainment system. Oh, my God. And I'm watching this like, this ain't going to end well. But good luck. Are you uh, going to the RLA? Uh, no. Uh, well, not that I, not at the moment. Uh, I'm on all, a panel there, too. All I can do <laughs> is keep bringing you guys a podcast. Every week, I'm going from here to lunch to record another podcast. And I may have more stuff later this week. So, Geekscapes, you're going to get a lot of Geekscape coming up. Uh, we love you. This is the road to Comic-Con. We have our, our booth at Comic-Con again this summer. So, we look forward to seeing you and all our friends. We'll probably be promoting Haunters there. And um, we love you. So, Geekscape's here for you. Uh, scratch our back by uh, leaving a review on like iTunes or wherever. And um, tell your friends about us because I love doing the show. I love that you like listening to the show, and I love talking to people like John each and every week. Um, Geekscape forever. Love you. Peace.